Monte Cristo in Nashville. It's Brianna and Marcus, and this is Smoking Section. Here we are in this new year. It is 2021. I'm excited. I guess it's excited. Brianna could not be here for this episode, but I'm excited because I got an email a couple of days ago about how this girl is one of the Pandora artists to watch. And it, it has just been announced that she is also in the 2021 class of CMT's Next Woman of Country. Brittany Spencer is here on the Smoking Section podcast, and I'm very fucking excited. How are you, Brittany? I mean, what's popping? <laughs> <laughs> what an introduction! Thank you for all the the, the nice things. It's uh, it's 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 really felt. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's, it's definitely well deserved. I uh, I have I've, I've had some friends reach out to me numerous times this year, telling me to listen to your music, and I started listening to it, and then then Mickey Guyton texted me about you, and I was. I was like, okay. I'm like, I've already been listening to it. She goes, well, you need to really look out for her. I'm like, okay. That's my and, girl. I and her. then I know I love her. I love her. And then when uh everything started going down with the high women, when I started seeing that, I'm like, we're on to something. We're getting ready to break more barriers. And I just love seeing people that look like us just continue to break barriers, especially in country music, because obviously at this point in time, it needs to happen. And it has been happening. So I talked earlier with you about how we have a lot of things in common. We have some things in common. Yes. You know what they was, but <laughs> we are uh, we are both rare rare breeds because we are from the Northeast Uh-oh. of America, and we love country music. <laughs> We're black. It's lit. I mean, it's, it's so many of us who who like it. Um, like if we hear it, we're like, oh yeah, man, I love this song. And I think the first time I realized just how much like black people around me like country music, it was when uh, Florida Georgia Line put out Cruise. Mm. And like I know I'd be at church and somebody would be like cruise. I'm like, what the hell? All right, all right, okay. All right. I mean, <laughs> it was it was nice. I mean, but you know, I'm a I'm I am a city girl. And uh if you drive 20 minutes from my house, it'll look like Tennessee And I mean, there's just a country radio station in every city. Like all you gotta yeah. do is like flip the dial, like flip the dial. Times. Oh. All you gotta do, shout out WPOC 93.1 in Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm from. Oh like, Baltimore. Yeah, man, all you got to do is flip the dial a few times and, and you you might find some things you like, you know? So does that make you a Ravens fan by choice? I'm a huge Ravens fan. My family has, like, the flags outside of our uh, house. What? Yeah, like, I have this thing in my, um, in my apartment that I have, like, I think, actually, it's not above my door. I should put it back up there. But it says, like, Raven fans only. It's, it's so silly. But I'm, I'm that person. I, I, do, I do love Northeast sports. I just, um, I just ordered this portrait of uh, Allen Iverson to put on my wall. Now, you mentioned Allen Iverson. I'm from Philly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Philly. So I'm a diehard Eagles fan, unfortunately, okay. this year. <laughs> I need some prayer. We need more than prayer. We need the second coming of Jesus to come and help us out. <laughs> Yo, one of my friends, JC, he's a huge Eagles fan too. He's from Philly, but his family, they all live in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Yo, he ride hard for them too. They be, they be bombing and he'd be like just loyal. Mm-hmm. Our Eagles fans are the same way. Oh, for real? They have they have causes to get very drunk this year, but it's okay. Um, there's always next year, you know. So Baltimore, you moved here. So you moved here when 2013? Yep. 2013. Let's let's go back to before 2013. You obviously your musical influences, I feel like this has been a common denominator for a lot of black artists, is the church. Mm-hmm. Yep. So tell us about you, the way you grew up and how the church impacted your career. Yeah, I mean, I say all the time, I think the best thing is grew up in church. 
And I think the singers that are literally just unreal and I can't figure them out, they come from Black church. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's like the foundation of like how I learned how to sing and harmonize and it's the foundation of everything. And like for me, that's such a big deal because I mean, I grew up, grew up, of course, singing in church, um, at church multiple days a week, always singing. But during that time, I also was being classically trained in school all through middle and high school. And I did Broadways. I did opera competitions. I didn't win any of them. But, you know, I was doing a lot of things musically. Um also, I mean, my, my parents, my mom, she listened to like old school gospel. Her husband listened to R&B. My dad listened to hip hop. It was this fusion of music just constantly hitting my ears growing up all throughout my entire childhood. And um, when I when I finally figured out what country music was, it was because a friend of mine named Keisha down at church, she was like, Brittany, you need to listen to Dixie Chicks, now the chicks. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? And so she puts it on and it sounds like church to me. And I'm, I'm naturally a person that will hear something completely different from what I'm used to. And I'll find the commonalities. Like that's, that's my personality in general. I do it with people. I do it with like, it's a point of connection for me to just find the things that feels kind of familiar right and uh country music was no different i was like oh this is like dixie chicks they like a quartet you know like you know and i grew up apostolic and you know and they just their harmonies were tight and something that i loved about them was the storytelling you know from there i just started watching cmt like crazy and just spending my entire evenings and summers and weekends just kind of just drenching myself in this genre that i love so much and i fell in love with brad paisley i fell in love with allison Krauss. i just i just fell in love i just watched all of it and then and then taylor swift happened and just she was poetic and from pennsylvania didn't have a twang and that was important to me for whatever reason yeah we are like, <laughs> we, we definitely we definitely have a lot in common then because I, I had a friend uh, tell me I should listen to uh, Tomorrow Girl Love Like You Were Dying. I'm like, that was the one. That was the one. And then I, I literally, after listening to that, I literally, like you, I, I sat in front of the TV watching the CMT nonstop at that entire summer. And that entire summer, 15 years old, changed my life. Yeah, dude, that's how old I was. I was like 14 or 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because once I, once I finally listened to the chicks, I realized that I had been listening to country music even earlier than that because because mm-hmm. in, in, I can't talk about other places but in Baltimore where I'm from like you take the school bus if you live in the suburbs and that's where mm-hmm. I always live in the suburbs usually but you would take the school bus and there was only a few stations that you could listen to that was like neutral that like the adult bus driver would want to hear like as an adult but it was still kid friendly mm-hmm. and like so they listened to the light rock station and so my introduction without realizing it was the crossover country music it was the Martina McBride and and it, it was you know it was Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and the Chicks. It was, it was that crossover where I was listening to Prince and Mariah Carey, and then they put in uh, the Chicks and they put in Tim McGraw, and and I'm just like this kiss, this kiss. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm just, that, yeah, yeah. That was and that was me. I, I, I think and. I think during that time in my life as well, the commonality started when Tim McGraw did the song with Nelly, the over and over again. Hold up. <laughs> I have not heard this one. What are you talking about? <laughs> you never heard? You haven't, <laughs> you haven't heard that song? No, I have not. Okay. I heard Nelly on every other country song, but I yeah. have not heard that one yet. So the very first country song that he was on, wasn't even a country song. It was a Nelly song. So remember when Nelly did the Suit and Sweat album? Yes. So there was a song on there that was a huge hit. 
All right, I remember that joint. Yes, with him and Tim McGraw. Yo. That was the first time I really mm-hmm. got exposed to yes. the, the the commonality of, of mm-hmm. music. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Like, shout out to crossover country music. Right. I wouldn't have known country music, I mean, if it wasn't for it. Mm-hmm. And it's... <sighs> I wish people, I mean, so many people who are like, this is country, that's not country. I'm like, dude, so many beautiful things happen when you just take things that we think are polar opposites and just kind of put them together. It becomes way more inviting. That Mm -hmm. means that more people gravitate to it and like it and and can enjoy it. And it just becomes this big party and music is communal. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I, that's, that was my introduction to the country music. So I've done some research on you and I am a huge fan of the Clark sisters. I love gospel music. I love country. I love R&B. I just love music in general. So my love for the Clark sisters started after watching their movie mm-hmm. that they just had in Lifetime. So I want to know how in the world this girl from Baltimore gets in the room with Twinkie Clark? Well, Baltimore is a huge hub for all kinds of live music. The, it's a it's a huge place for the gospel market. And that means that, you know, there's a whole bunch of opportunities for people to be background singers. Because when they come, a lot of times when artists would come, they wouldn't bring like their band and singers. Um, it was very rare. And so they would source out people locally. And I just, I just had a network of friends. You know, it's just a pool of people. You're like, oh, I need an alto. Oh, it's for this style of music. You know, and just, I was just part of that network of people. And I got roped into all kinds of, uh, background gigs because of it. Wow. Yeah, and that's how I ended up working with uh, Twinkie Clark. I think it was two shows that we did, and it was so fun. Man, she was so nice, and she's so talented. I mean, that's an understatement, you know? It's the Clark yeah. You know, yeah, pioneers, they're legendary. You know, they are Detroit's finest. So yeah. it was great. I mean, all those opportunities to sing uh, and do backgrounds and, and learn how to work in a studio. I mean, I hold on to all that stuff today. How much did she? I know it's just two shows, so this is a short stint. But how much of the, how much of that and her music and things like that has influenced you now? I mean, I I hold on to a lot of things. Like when I, you know, when I'm with people at a certain caliber, or anybody really. I'm just observant and I just watch and I just pay attention. And sometimes you don't realize you learned something until you have to utilize something you've learned and you kind of mentally trace back to where you got it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's definitely been a few moments where I was like, oh yeah, I learned this while sing with this person or sing with Twinkie or, you know, it just, it just happens all the time. It's just as a creative, I just, I kind of like to be, um, especially when I know I'm in learning mode, like I knew back then all those years ago, I just knew that I needed to just be a sponge and just soak up everything. It's just, it's so much that you you can just learn and take in. Gospel taught me authenticity. It taught me to be grounded. It taught me to sing intuitively and not so routinely. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea that literally every single Sunday is like almost improv, <laughs> like in terms of the music, like you just, you know, you have the basis of how you want to conduct things, how you want to sing a song, but just every, I've rarely heard somebody sing the same song twice, you know, the same way in gospel music. And I've, I've learned that and I've kept that. And I, I like that spontaneity. And I think I still carry that with me in country music. Um, my music is really just a merging of two worlds. I, uh, it's funny you say about, about gospel music because um, I can't tell you how many times you can, you can literally make up where you can make up your own gospel music in, 
you know, during the devotion and mm-hmm. make up your own words to a song. If you don't know the words to the song, you can literally make it up. And everyone was just, everyone was still singing along. It's, you know, you're absolutely right when it comes to gospel music. You know, when no one can sing the same song the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Multiple absolutely. times. Mm-hmm. And I carry that with me. I think it's, I think it's a really um, beautiful element to add to what really drew me to country music, which was the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just really beautiful to be able to to merge those two things together. I think it's something really special that comes out of it. And I love when I hear artists do it across all genres, really. I love it. So you moved to Nashville in 2013. Did you have any friends down here? Did you move here and not know anyone? Did you, like, what was your, what was your plan? Like, what, what was your plan when you first moved to Nashville? I didn't know anybody. I, I literally knew no one. I uh, finally got the nerve to start recording music, I think in like 2011 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was country music. And I finally got the nerve to record. And I started kind of making my rounds around Baltimore, like different like open mics and things like that. And and it was cool. It was fun. But I, I think I quickly realized that I needed to go to Nashville if I really wanted to to see something happen with my music. Because there's no industry for country music in Baltimore. There's a platform for fans, but not really one for, for artists. And um, my sister, she came with me. She stayed with me for like four months and she was all that I knew. Um, yeah, I just came here not knowing anybody. We drove in the middle of the night. It was kind of, it was planned. Like we intended to drive in the middle of the night. Right. We just came here. I knew I wanted to come. I planned for it for like a year. And um, I left my apartment, moved in with my dad so I could save up some money and stuff and, you know, kind of prepare my trip. And uh, <laughs> it was funny because I told my dad um, back in, I think, September of 2012, I said, hey, I just bought a flight. I'm going to go down to Nashville um, in, I think, like January or something like that to go look for an apartment and try and find a job. And he's like, OK, cool. So, like, I gave him a date and everything. And then and I'm also the kind of person to randomly just not follow up. So January came and he like texted me. He was like, where are you? You didn't come home last night. I was like, I'm in Nashville. And he's like, you really moving? I was like, yeah, I just found out in an apartment. I just got approved. I'm going to uh, move here next month. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, they my family like emotionally had like a month to like prepare for me to like leave. <laughs> wow. And we did. We drove in the middle of the night, me and my sister. And because uh, I hate traffic. So we drove in the middle of the night and uh, we arrived in Nashville on February the 13th at like 930 in the morning. That's a drive. That is for anyone who's ever driven that. That is a drive. It is a drive. It's like 11 hours, 11 and a half because you got to stop and get gas. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like 12 and a half from Philly. Yeah, that's 12. That's 12 and a half from 12 and a half us. But that's without stopping for gas that's not including stuff for gas that's not including it if you go through the beltway you're going to hit traffic you're always in the traffic in the beltway if you drive at night you won't have no traffic see i, I hate driving at night you know <laughs> i hate traffic i do not like tra- it's it's sad like we don't have to harp on this but for so much longer yo i fucking hate traffic I'm <laughs> driving throughout virginia i am not driving through virginia in in the daytime no no See, here's the thing. Virginia isn't as bad as it could be. No, Virginia is pretty rough to, to drive through. And Tennessee. 
Tennessee is pretty well, still in Tennessee. You still in Tennessee? I will say that, yeah, yeah. That, that Tennessee's long. Tennessee's long. You you get out of Knoxville, and you're like, oh, I'm out of Tennessee. Nope, you still got two hours before you're out of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Maryland and Pennsylvania are much smaller. Well, at least Maryland's definitely way smaller. Yeah, like we are small and tiny. Like it's so hard making that drive, but I did not want to drive. Oh so my sick. god. It's so silly. Like, literally, I put myself through trauma. I was like, oh, I'm going to drink a Red Bull. I don't, have, I don't ever drink Red Bull. The thing gave me heart palpitations, everything. I was like, but man, at least I ain't got no traffic. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I don't. It's, the traffic, I, I I can tolerate, but I do hate the traffic. Just not as much as you do, but, you know. That's just, I'm not driving through. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not driving tonight. I'm not doing it. So let's talk more. We're going to talk more here because I want to, I want to talk to you about um, the tweet heard around the world that has made Britney Spencer go viral. High women tweeted you because you covered their song Crowded Table. Mm-hmm. Obviously that was not planned. <laughs> Yeah, that was not planned. That was not planned. I am curious. I take me back to the to to that day where you got the notification on your phone mm-hmm. that the high women tweeted you out. I mean, I still can't believe that happened. If I'm honest, um, and it's so it's so fun to like think about now because like I mean, several of them have become like like we like I have a little friendship kind of you know, brewing. And so I, I went from being, you know, at least it feels like I went from being just a fan that I admire from afar to like, like, be, like they're texting me and I'm just like, dude, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Nice, But they're really wonderful people and down to earth people, um, which makes it so much easier to kind of perceive what happened <laughs> um, now, kind of looking back in hindsight. Um, so the day that that happened, I'd actually posted the video on Instagram the day before and I forgotten to post it on Twitter. And I've just been posting covers for like seven years. You don't really expect like artists to see, at least I don't. I've never expected the artists to see it. I'm kind of just really big on crediting people. And so I'll tag artists, not because I want them to see it, but because I'm just big on, you know, credits. I'm a songwriter and it's it's nice when you see people credited. You can know where to find the song and who wrote mm-hmm. it. Kind of nerdy in that sense. But um, the day after I posted on Instagram, I was like, oh, shoot, got posted on Twitter. And I did. I posted on Twitter and people just liked it. And I just thought, oh, that's nice. That's, that's really fun, you know? And then Amanda Shires is like, hey, you high woman. And I was like, oh my God, Amanda Shires just called me a high woman. And um, <laughs> then I, I couldn't read the rest because I needed a moment to like just settle on that. And so then I, when I got myself together and I picked my, my emotions up off the floor, I was like, let me read the rest of this tweet. And she invited me to come and sing with the high women. I just thought, oh my gosh. Like I was sitting on my couch watching Netflix when it happened. Like I was like legit chilling, like heavy. And I was just chilling. And I like, you know, saw the tweet and just saw the responses and, and just, you know, I was freaking out just like other people seem to be kind of freaking out um, when they saw it. And then like, I think like maybe 30 minutes later, Marin posted it as well. And then she did the same thing. She invited me to come and sing with them. And I was still sitting on my couch. I went back to watching Shameless at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
I just, I didn't like, I honestly was like not able to really process what was happening um, just because of what they've meant to me. It wasn't because they're celebrities. Um, that's nice. Like that's, that's awesome. I, mm-hmm. But really what their music has meant to me personally, Marin Morris's hero album talked me off the ledge for several weeks. Um, I was ready to give up on country music. Not that there was some other genre that I will retreat to. I, when I pick up a guitar, that's what comes out. Um, whatever my music sounds like, that's the way I hear it in my head and it will come out no matter what I pursued. I was so down and tired of pursuing the country industry because I always felt like I always felt like I would never fit in. I always felt and fitting in is not in the the sense of not the not the trivial sense, like where you just mm-hmm. want to be friends with everybody. It was I got tired of feeling like I stood out and not in a way that that felt good. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard her album, it, it changed me. And I just listened to it over and over again for weeks until I finally felt like, OK, I can do this. I can continue to do this. You know, I can go see this this publisher. I can go to this co-write. I can go and do this thing. I can do that thing. And it gave me like strength to keep going. And so when Marin Morris and when Amanda Shires, when they, they tweet me, it hit a different spot for me because I remember where I was when I wanted to, to quit this thing. Wow, that is a great way to express that because there's a lot of things, a lot of people who see that and who would hear that story and get exp- inspired by that story. Now, that leads to the conversation of the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. I've been through it. You know, Mickey's been through it. Jamie's been through it. Darius has been through it. Charlie Pride has been through it. God bless his soul. Of being Black in country music. And I, I think people don't understand my thing is, I think people don't understand and people don't realize that it's not just hard in the industry. Um, I think there are people with aspect of things. I think I think the world has the aspect of things and the stereotype, stereotypes that, you know, oh, Black people can't listen to country music or Black people should be singing country music or whatever. You know, I think people still live by that stigma mm-hmm. because it's been around for so long. Because you look at West, you look at old country westerns, there's no, there's no Black people in country western movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that that's the stigma around that people really have to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, country music to me, and I think Alicia Keith says it best, country music and R&B are cousins. Yeah. You can put, <laughs> you can put an R&B song to, you can put an R&B song to a country song and vice versa. That's facts. I mean, my introduction to country, like apparel, mm-hmm. and what it meant to like, you know, have the traditional country look it it wasn't through country music the genre it was because i saw destiny's child wearing cowboy hats and i saw mary j blige with cowboy boots and like uh-huh. it, was, it was something you know i don't know that that to me means something it's like actually my my introduction to country culture was not through what is represented through country music today you know when i went to my mother's husband he's from something south carolina and every year we would have to drive down there because literally somebody in his family died every year so like my whole childhood just driving to something south carolina and they listened to al green and they listened to temptations and they, they listened to they listened to black people with twangs and with soul and and that was my introduction to to the culture of of the south really right it's it's, um it's it's sad to not see that reflected um as often as it should be in country music yeah it 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 really it really is um i think though i think that we're making progress i think that um i think we'll i think we'll continue to make progress my only hope is that the support that we have gotten from people continues to grow 
I think that it will. Yeah, I, I, I think that it will. I think that um, I think one way of, I think one way to, for me that gives me hope is Marin Morris standing on national television mm-hmm. during the CMAs, winning Female Vocals of the Year, and then spewing out Black country artist's name and yours being one of them. That that moment had to be insane for you. Yeah, it was insane. It was. Um, I mean, I already have so much respect for her. And when she when she used her platform and that moment to be an advocate, it wasn't shocking. Like she's been doing stuff like this, like tweets and stuff like she's been brewing up to this. You know, she has a song called Better Than We Found It. Like she's she's been brewing up to this. So it wasn't a shock that she right. do something like this. It was, it was very much so like part of what we would expect from just the incredible uh artist and advocate that she is. And when she said it, I just thought, damn it, Mary, you did it again. Like you did it again. And when I heard her say my name, of course I'm excited and I'm grateful and I'm 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 just enjoying and, and kind of really just soaking in the moment. But when I heard my name, I heard so many other people's names too. I'd heard it. Like I just heard it clear today. I just thought, man, this is going to be incredible. Cause this doesn't work if we don't change the entire system. And the system changes when there's a bunch of us bombarding it and saying uh-huh. things need to change. Nope, nope. Here's another person that says things need to change. Like we're just we're just doing our thing. Like we're just we're just making good music. We're just um, trying to do the best that we can as artists and just keeping our. I think we're keeping our head down on the work and and just kind of just hoping that that is the thing that busts the system down. But when Marin said our names, it was like, yo, this is going to work. We right. think we're going to actually change. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Marin. My experience with Marin is because I've I never met her. The first encounter I've had with Marin at a live show was the CMT Crossroads uh, with her and Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. I knew who she was. She had, I think at that point, she had My Church out. Um, and that was really the only song of hers that I knew. And then when I'm a huge Alicia Keys fan and when you can stay on the stage and go toe-to-toe vocally with Alicia Keys, that says something. That was probably the only concert that I've ever shed a tear at um, from them singing. Mm -hmm. After that moment, it just showed like the commonality of... Mm-hmm. Of music, yeah. of music, and it was it was crazy because I've been to a lot of cross CMT crossroads, and the amount of black people that were there at this cross at this particular crossroad, I'm normally the only one in the room, mm-hmm. and I can say, and it can be because Silish Keys was there, but I can say there there was black people there who knew who Marin Morris was, yeah, and was singing along with Marin Morris, and was singing along with the Keys, and it that just shows, you know, like again, that shows the commonality of this genre and of music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I truly believe that what Eric Church said, you know, you, music is what's going to pull us out of everything, as he said on CMAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone music is music is definitely something that's going to unify us this is a divided country uh it has been um for quite some time so my question for you is has the things that have gone on in society has that influenced your writing oh 100 percent. yeah songs on my ep and two of them are just me talking about the world compassion talks about um i love that song thank you the opening lines is kind of my friend reminded me of the lyrics um, a few days ago um, because we just had that bombing in Nashville mm-hmm. and I live eight minutes from downtown. Like I see the buildings from downtown at my apartment. Like I'm looking at them right now. And um, the, the first few lines is uh, if a half empty stomach makes you hangry, 
imagine life for people on the street. If a neighbor's untamed yard can drive you crazy, imagine seeing bombs break through their concrete. And um, I just, it's no way for me to look at the world and to not want to say at least something about it. Not because I think that my words need to ring loud and, and I need them to be heard. It's, it's not about that. It's, you know, I have, I, I have my own little two cents just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And I just... I want to be honest about how I see the world, how it's affecting me, how it kind of, you know, affects my psyche every day. Um, I just think that when you are an artist, there is some level of responsibility to tell the truth about the times that we're in. And this is where we are right now. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're watching Black people get shot for no reason and killed. We're watching, I mean, I'm eight minutes from where a bomb um, went off where there was a, a suicide bomber in Nashville. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. But for me to see these things and for it to not influence my music, I would just wonder how open am I as a person, you know, to tell the truth about where we are. So it, it greatly affects my music. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been kind of crazy in this world. Um, <laughs> that is 2020. Um, I mean, I've been here for 10 years and Nashville has been hit extremely hard this year. Between a tornado, the pandemic, mm-hmm. and now a bombing, um, it's uh, I don't I, I don't know how much Nashville can take, but I know that you know we'll get through it. We always we always get through a lot of things. We've mm-hmm. got through the, we got through the flood. Mm-hmm. You know I'm sure we can I'm sure we can get through all of this. So let's talk one more thing, one more topic here. Um, you were you have now been announced as I said earlier as the Pandora artist to watch in 2021. Yeah, yeah. And you have now also been announced as the scene is part of the class of CMT Next Women of Country. I've had some friends in this CMT Next Women of the Country and their careers are blowing up. So what does it mean for you? Because this is you were that little black girl that used to say in church in Baltimore, Maryland, okay, is now starting to live out her dreams. That little 15-year-old black girl, when you start listening, you you drive on the school bus and you hearing Faith Hill and you're hearing the Tim McGraws and you're hearing the Martine McBrides and and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do that one day. That's me. me. It's, it, and you're on the verge of making your dreams come true. Man. How do you feel and what do you tell, what, what do you tell people that are in those shoes of that 15-year-old girl? I have a, this is going to sound silly, um, but I have had a hard time dreaming most of my life. I've always known that I've wanted to sing. There, there, there are a few things where I've been like dead set on like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. But allowing myself to explore and unpack exactly what that looks like, that's not something that I've had an easy time doing. It's just not. I honestly, as, as grateful as I am for all the wonderful things happening to me right now, I don't know that I ever thought it would. And that sounds like a crazy thing to say because we live in such an ambitious culture where everyone's like, you could be anything if you work hard, if you put your mind to it. You know, if you want to be somebody, you better wake up and I wish people could see us dancing right now. I know, right? <laughs> and I and I'm an advocate for that. I want people to do that. I've had a, a I've personally had a hard time doing that for myself. And so now I'm in a position where I'm watching these wonderful things happen for me and I'm just watching with awe and gratitude. Um and now I'm just at the place where I'm like, dude, it could really go up from here. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What do I say, you know, to the little girl? Because I'm still that little girl, you know, I'm still that little girl who's just excited to sing a song, excited to, you know, figure out a new way to rhyme 
some words and uh, and tell a story. I'm still that person. I guess maybe what I'm actually saying is I think I just want to tell that girl that maybe it's possible. And I don't know. Ask me this question again in like three years. In three years. <laughs> what was what was what made it so hard for you to dream? Man, I always felt different. I always felt like I never really fit into any one place. And that could be really challenging when you don't have anyone telling you that you don't have to. And for me, I I remember there was a long time where I loved country music, but I didn't think I could actually do it for years. I didn't think I could do country music until I heard Taylor Swift and she didn't have a twang and she was from Pennsylvania. And oh, and she's really poetic. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't think that I could actually do it until I saw her and I was like, oh, snap. And I started to be like, oh, maybe I should do this. And then at some point I finally got some courage and and decided to move to Nashville. And and I think I've just been slowly building up some belief and some faith. But but dreaming is challenging, particularly for me when it comes to country music, because what's happening right now, I never thought it would. It's uh, it's challenging when you don't have representation. It's just already hard to be an artist. Artistry is just already challenging in, in, in a wonderful and rewarding way, but it is challenging. And we've seen it. You know, I'm that person who will watch VH1 behind the music and, you know, E! True Hollywood Story. And I'm that person. I love all the biopics. And, and we just all have a, a pretty good handle on just collectively understanding that this is hard and so just on top of the the challenges that come with trying to be an artist being a black artist being a woman artist being an artist that's not a size two being an artist a country artist that likes to bend the genre and like to add in different influences you know it's it's uh it just makes it that much harder just like simple things that people probably wouldn't even think would even be a thing it's like no i wake up every day and i think about that like I remember specifically thinking for months when I was trying to do, um, when I was trying to prepare for a photo shoot for all of the songs that I put out this year, because I knew I was going to release them all one single at a time, which meant that I needed a new cover for each one. And the reason all my covers look different is because I needed to just explore and figure out what does a plus size black woman in country music look like? Like, and that's, I don't know how, I mean, I'm sure people think about that question all the time when trying to figure out branding and all, but I've not seen it. You know, the closest we probably got is like Rosetta Thorpe. And it's just, we've not seen it. And when you don't see things, you don't, for me personally, I didn't even realize how much it was impacting me to have never had representation um, until it was time for me to start making decisions about how I wanted to do things. And I was just like, man, what does this kind of artist look like? So it's it's wonderful. I get to pave a path for myself and and that requires dreaming up things. And so I'm learning to dream. But for me right now, dreaming looks like making plans. And maybe that's what it always has been. But for me right now, that's what it feels like. Just making plans and figuring out a lot of the other things that I want that I really never spent time thinking about. That is a, that is a very, very... A simple way to explain a dream. And I never thought of it that way. I've always thought of it as, you know, it's something that you, that you, you want, that you want to reach for, but it's never, I don't think anyone really, people rarely think of it as it's just a plan. It's just making the plan. Um, That right there, that's, that's, that's a takeaway from this interview. That's to me from this interview. It is the dream, dreaming is nothing but a plan. It's just making your own plan. Yeah, but you don't make a plan for something until you think you can actually do it. Yeah, 
gotta put some bones to it. And that's that for me has been the challenge my whole life. I don't have a problem with hard work. I will literally, I've spent my life working for things that I never knew for sure if it would happen for me, but I worked like, oh, this is what I do. I sing, I write, I do, I do this. Never really knowing if anything could happen with it. And parts of me, it has to grow out of that mood, and I am. But then other parts of me, I think it just keeps you grateful and it keeps you grounded. It keeps you connected. It does. Very weird way. I think it does. Yeah, in a, in a very in a very weird way, it does because it's you know it doesn't let it, it it allows you to stay realistic of things instead of living in a fantasy world that some people may live in. Yeah, and, I mean. And- I want to live in that esoteric place, you know? Yeah. You visualize and you see and things happen. And, you know, I'm about to do a vision board with my friends next month for the first time. I, I ain't never done no shit like that. And it, it'd be fun, you know, whatever. And this isn't like a pity thing. Like, I'm, I'm very comfortable with where I am and figuring out how to dream and how to actually put some specific things in place with where I want to see my music and career go. And uh, I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited to see where this, where you're gonna go. I, like I said, I, I think you're going places. Uh, you have the support of people behind you that it's just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy that I got to meet you. I'm so happy that I got to interview. You. I am so happy uh, that there is a, another black woman in this industry in country music that is breaking a barrier. Between you and Mickey, you guys are just knocking down, knocking down doors, and I'm loving it. If I could say one thing about Mickey, I know we've got to wrap up. Mickey has set a precedent that I think is phenomenal. She has set the precedent that you don't just walk through a door, you wait and hold that door so that someone else can walk in behind you. She has set that. Mm, mm, wow. I'm going to text her that. Oh, absolutely. And I think I've told her, like, I, I love Mickey. We talk pretty, pretty regularly. Um, but this week, it's been Instagram. We just send stuff back. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've told her um, she understands, like, she gets it. She understands that we need we need structural change. We don't need one celebrity. We don't need just one person to make it. And then it's 30 years before we see somebody else. She's made it part of her success is that she's helped other people as well. Uh-huh. She just sees the changes that need to be made. And she has, I, I just, I appreciate the standard that she's set because I mean, I feel like most of us, if not all of us are following suit and being like, yep, this is awesome. But there's a whole bunch of other people who also need opportunities as well. and shouldn't be lacking in resources and opportunities just because of their, their heritage, their yeah. ethnicity, whatever. So I, I appreciate me for that. Yeah. That's Yeah. She she's definitely opened the door. She's definitely opened the door, and I love that she she just now opened the door. She's not just holding it open, but she she's bringing people, other people, to help her hold the door open. Heck yeah! You know, everybody got to play their part. We need allies. We need advocates. Uh-huh. We need everything, but but pity. This is not a pity. Yeah, fest. it's not a pity fest. This is this is a let me join you and let me join with this fight. This is not a pity fest. Wow, this has been so inspiring i seriously i'm so happy i got to do this i'm I'm, I'm happy i'm happy i got the interview i'm happy i met you uh you are a tremendous person you have your head on straight oh thanks (laughs) most people (laughs) you got because you normally get some people who don't like don't know what the hell is going on it's like ah 
No, you have you, like you have your head on straight, and 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 you in your focus, you can tell that you're focused on things. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. This has been another episode of Smoking Section Podcast. Uh, listen to us everywhere. Follow us. Follow Brittany Spencer on everything, and listen to her music. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Y'all are amazing.